Want more of the Josh Scanlon podcast? Please. Please. Here you go. The Josh Scanlon podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Josh Scanlon podcast. This episode first appeared as a video on my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash heritage wealth planning. I hope you find it informative. Thanks. Welcome, folks, to another edition of the Heritage Wealth Planning YouTube channel. Today, we're going to talk about life insurance. And one of the biggest pet peeves I have when it comes to financial planning is life insurance, actually. is uh, I'm going to show you something here in just a second. My other pet peeve is when people say they can beat the market. You can't do that consistently. Uh, but the second pet peeve I have is, uh, is lack of life insurance understanding from an agent and certainly from the clients who buy it as well. And so I, I don't even have a tie here. It was this important. I wanted to get this video out there because at the end of the day, if this affects you, you need to understand how the life insurance policies that you own work and what you need to be doing to protect yourself so they don't go lapse before you do. One thing we don't want to happen is if you need the life insurance, we don't want you to lose your life insurance before you lose your life. That way you would have no life insurance to pass down to your surviving spouse or your kids or the church or whatever it is that you bought the life insurance for. So let's start with this uh, this show, this newscast I saw um, as I was researching some life insurance policies, uh, information to share with you um, from news, whatever, in Toronto. And they talk about the bad uh, side of life insurance. So I'm just going to play this for a couple, eh, probably about a minute or so. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can see it because I think it's pretty important. But uh, let me just play this. Let's see if I can. Insurance can be an important part of your financial planning. Yes, it can. Protection for your family's future. There are different kinds of life insurance policies to choose from. And within policies, there can also be fine print that makes them very different. Pat Porn explains on tonight's Consumer Alert. Pat? Well, that's right, Ken Michelle. A CTV viewer was shocked to find out that after paying into a life insurance plan for 27 years, his policy had lapsed. He said when he signed up in the 1980s, he was told his premiums would never go up. Even though he never missed a payment, his policy has now been canceled. I would like the policy that doesn't change during the So here's what happened. This guy, Mr. Gonzalez, he bought a life insurance policy under the assumption, under he was told this in the 1980s, that his life insurance policy, is, as long as he made X for premium, would never go away. Now, they got that assumption because the interest rates in the late 1980s were significantly higher than they are today. So he bought something called universal life, universal life. Tattoo that on your brain, because if that's what you have, you need to look into it. Um, so he bought this thing called universal life. He had a $100,000 death benefit. He was paying 150 bucks a month or something like that. Um, he figured he'd do that for 27 years, and that way he'd either have a cash value he could draw on when he hit retirement, or if he died, his family would get $100,000 of life insurance plus whatever accumulated on top of that as well. Now, rightly or wrongly, um, that's what he thought. And that's not what happened. In fact, what ticks me off is it not just happened to Mr. Gonzalez here. It happens to a lot of people with reputable insurance companies too. And so what happens is if you have a universal life insurance policy that was taken out in the late 80s or early 90s, it's a high probability that that policy is not going to be as strong not strong enough to survive you 
which is wrong. And so let me give an example. I had a client um, back in my previous firm. He's a doctor. He had a million dollar universal life insurance policy. He had $88,000 cash value when I first got to know him. And so I said, okay. I said, well, I'd like to see the illustration on the life insurance policy. And he gave me this statement. Well, the statement only showed that he had 88000 in cash value on a million-dollar death benefit. So for him, he thinks he's good to go. Now, he was 68 years old. He'd been paying in this since 1992, so he'd been putting money in for over 20 years. The problem was I requested what's called an in-force illustration. So remember that term, in-force illustration. And when I got that in-force illustration from the insurance company, lo and behold, and to his chagrin, that policy was going to lapse when he became the age of 77. So he was 68. At 77, the policy was going to go kaput, which meant all the money he had put in there, all the cash value that was in there, and all the insurance that he was using to fund a trust to provide for his heirs was going to be gone. As long as he stayed alive beyond the age of 77, if he kept that policy as it was, that would go kapum and is gone, everything. And to say the least, he was floored and he was actually angry. I'll never forget this because he's like, wait a second, man. I bought this just like our guy, Mr. Gonzalez here, under the assumption that if I made this level premium, it would never go away. In fact, I'd get cash value on top of the death benefit that would survive me that would transfer to my heirs tax-free. And the answer is yes, that was true when the interest rates were up here at six and seven percent, but now they're down here at three and a half and four. And and the cost of insurance is increasing. Because remember, the older you get, the more expensive the insurance comes. So in this case, we'll use Mr. Gonzalez. You know, 27 years ago, he's a young man. The cost of insurance is way down here. 27 years later, the cost of insurance is skyrocketing. On the other hand, 27 years, so here it was back then, here's the interest rates up here, here's the cost of insurance back then, and it's gone exactly the opposite direction. Cost of insurance is going way high, interest rates going way low, so you got this split that's working against them. That's not good. And if you look at any universal life policy that's taken out the late 80s, early 90s, I can almost assure you it's the same thing gonna happen there as well. So remember, Universal life is not synonymous with whole life. And I cannot tell you how many clients I've had who assume they have a whole life policy when in fact it's a universal life policy, completely separate entities. Whole life simply means if you pay a level premium, it will be there for your whole life. That's why whole life is so doggone expensive on the beginning of it because basically you're prepaying it so that way you're putting a lot more money in when the cost of insurance starts going through the roof, you had all this cash value to cover the increasing cost of insurance. It will cover for your whole life. It literally is what that means. As long as you make the premium, you're covered for your whole life. Universal life, on the other hand, and why it's so attractive is because it's cheaper on the front end. The risk is on you. As the interest rates turn against you like they did here for him and I'm telling you, millions of other people, you're going to have to do one of three things to keep this policy active and in force. You're going to have to add money to it. My other client's case, he had to add significant, we're talking 50, 60, $70,000 if he wanted that policy to stay in force until he's 90 years old. 
he was not happy. All right. He was not happy with that. And there was no guarantee even then, if he did that, that it would stay in force. It wasn't because they can't guarantee it because it's changes based on the interest rate and the cost of insurance. So there's no guarantee on universal life. Second one, you could always reduce your death benefit. You reduce your death benefit will mean it costs less because you have less insurance coverage, which means the insurance company owes you less if you die. That's, I mean, if you think about it, if you have a million dollar death benefit of which you have $500,000 of your own money in there, that when you die, a million dollars is going to your spouse. Well, 500,000 of that was your money. The other 500,000 was the insurance money. So now you got a million dollar death benefit and 200,000 of cash. You have $800,000 of insurance. That means the insurance company is on a hook for stroking a check for 800,000 bucks. They're, they're more at risk and they're going to charge you accordingly. So the issue is you can lower the death benefit, which simply means the insurance company is less on the hook if you do die. And that's, that's a, an option. Uh, my doctor didn't want to do that. He's like, I don't want to do that. I bought this under the assumption I had a million bucks. I said, I know. Or you could do one of both. You could do both. You could reduce the death benefit and add cash to it. And that can give you a little bit more of a boost uh, to at least keep the, the policy from lapsing here. It'll be stretched out a little bit more. And that's an option as well. The last option, you just cash the whole thing out. You cash it out. In this case, my doctor had contributed more than the $88,000 of cash value. So let's say he put $100,000 of payments in over the last 20 years. Um, it's only worth 88,000 bucks, so there's no tax consequence. He hasn't made any money. He's actually lost money. On the other hand, if he had put 100,000 bucks in there and is worth $120,000 and he cashed the whole thing out, he has $20,000 of, of ordinary income. That's his gain, which is taxed as ordinary income. And for a doctor and a pretty high uh, paid doctor, in this case, that ordinary income is going to be through the roof. So we didn't really want to do that either. In this case, he was fine because there was no gain. But you just got to be careful of cash down a life insurance policy. If you have more cash than you put in, that is a taxable event. And it's taxed as ordinary income, not as capital gains, and which, uh, which could be pretty <laughs> not very favorable for sure. So let me show you what an, an in-force illustration actually looks like. I just found this just doing some web search. Let me get my mug out of there. And this is what it does. It says, basically, here's the calendar year. We're projecting. See how it's projecting into 2033? We're projecting the insurance amount. We're projecting the dividend amount. And a lot of, uh, a lot of in, uh, insurance pro um, products don't even offer dividends anymore, but in this case it did. I, I think it's Northwestern, uh, yeah, Northwestern Mutual. Here's your premium. So this guy's paying $6,700 a year. Here's your surrender value. And you can see that he paid $60,000 of total premiums and he's got a surrendered value of 12,000 bucks. So he's going to be out. If you were to, you know, take that out, um, if you were to cash his policy in, he would not have a huge uh, cash value for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this is his guaranteed amount right here. Okay. So this is his, oh, that's his, <clears throat> excuse me. That's his cash value increase. Excuse me. So that's how much is growing on top of what it was before. So he's putting this money in $6,700. He's getting an extra $7,800 in cash value. So you can, you know, that's not bad, actually. I mean, he's put 6,700 bucks in. His cash value grows by $1,000. That's, that's not a bad rate of return. $6,700 in, cash value grows by, you know, uh, you know, 700 bucks or so. But watch this. Starts getting lower. 
to some degree. And the reason is, is because he's getting older. So the cost of insurance, that's the amount of insurance right there. As an insurance amount, the amount that the insurance company is on hook for, sometimes this will start getting lower in terms of cash value increase. Now, in this case, it looked like they designed a pretty good policy. Nothing jumps out. And again, this is just the first illustration I saw. Nothing jumps out at me that says, oh, my goodness, you better stop this or you better do something. And the simply reason is because he has guaranteed cash value in here um, that will keep the policy in force at least until this year right here, 2033. He's guaranteed for that. So worst case scenario is he has a number here. Now, he is still paying $6,700 a year, so don't get me wrong. It's not cheap, but, you know, it looks pretty good, actually, in this case. He's making decent interest. He has a life insurance component, and he's got guaranteed cash value right there, which isn't bad. If the insurance uh, cost of insurance and the interest rates stay the way they are in this year, which is this right here, so in 2014, the cost of insurance and the interest they're charged, they're crediting to this guy's account, if it stays right here, he'll actually have $300,000 of cash value, which isn't bad. And you'll have 182000 guaranteed. So worst case scenario is he'll have that. But again, he's paying $6,700 a month or a year for this. And at the end of the day, he's only getting $750,000 of death benefit. So, you know, is that good or bad? I'm not here to debate that at this stage. All I care about, when you do your enforce, this is what it looks like. It projects the future of your policy under guaranteed assumptions and under current assumptions, current is always going to look more favorable than guaranteed. And I got to say, the likelihood of a guaranteed assumption coming to fruition is pretty minimal, but it could happen. And if it does, you need to be prepared for that. So what we don't want to see, we don't want to see this being a zero. <clears throat> if you see a zero under the guaranteed side of either of these two things, that means your policy is in doomsday scenario. That means it's going to lapse. If you see a zero for guaranteed or total or current cash value, you can't have that. That simply means your policy is going to lapse. And what will happen is you'll see a zero for a couple of years, and then you'll see these little uh, dashes here. And they'll say right here, dash, 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 and they'll say right there, policy lapses. And you'll say, whoa, I'm, you know, end of year 2026, policy lapses. <laughs> your statement doesn't show that. Your statement doesn't show that. Your statement just shows what it's worth today and the death benefit if you die today. It does not show what it's worth in the future, which drives me up the wall. The insurance company should send these once every three years so you have a gauge of the strength of this policy, but they don't. And so going back to our example of Mr. Gonzalez here, he was told um, he didn't get anything. In fact, the guy who sold him the policy has died. And the stupid life insurance company made no attempts to get info to him, at least according to him. And I don't know why he'd lie about it, but either way, the insurance company has an obligation to tell you, hey, man, this policy is going to lapse because this right here, the cash value that's supporting the policy is zero. If that happens, then what it means is your premium isn't covering the cost of insurance. Your cost of insurance might be $10,000, but your premium is only $6,700 which means you're losing $3,000, $4,000 a year, and it's going to come out of the cash value. Once it comes out of the cash value, it's going to keep going down and down until you got a big fat goose egg, and then the policy lapses. Now, the thing is, the insurance company told this guy, hey, you can always apply for a new policy. The guy's freaking 70-something years old. What's the cost of a new policy for a 70-year-old man? I mean, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he smokes. Maybe he's got a heart issue. I have no idea. 
But I certainly guarantee you it's going to be a heck of a lot more expensive than it was when he was 27 years before. It's crazy. So the insurance company just neglects its responsibility to let people know about their policies being enforced and the risk to them. And it drives me up the wall. Now, though, I guarantee you, the insurance company said, well, we sent him something. Well, guess what? You get tons of stuff in the mail. And if I hear, well, he sent you an email on it, I'm going to drop an anvil on my head because I don't care about your stupid email. You have an obligation, insurance company, to make sure you're insured knows the extent of the risk that they have. And if that means you got to get someone on the horn to call this guy, well, doggone, you better do it. Because you're setting a guy who doesn't know the first thing about life insurance to make a judgment on whether the policy is going to lapse or not based on the fact your agent told him that the policy was going to be enforced for the rest of his life. Should he have asked? Yeah, okay, but he didn't because he's trusting the agent that you represent, that represented you, Mr. Insurance Company. It's not right. And this is going to happen more and more. If my doctor, who's a medical doctor, very astute, very high net worth, if he did not know what an enforced illustration was, well, doggone, you think the average Joe does? And that's my thing. You've, and if, forget, don't rely on the insurance company, Mr. and Mrs. Klein, if you're watching this. Get it yourself. Ask for an in-force illustration. Get it every three to five years. If you don't know how to read it, find someone who, you, who can for sure. Email me. All's at the end of the day. You just want to make sure there is no zeros down here. If there's a zero at the age of 120, I don't care because you're not going to survive then. But if it's a zero at the age of 77 and you're in good health, that means your policy is going to lapse and everything you put into it plus the insurance amount will be gone. Do not let that be you for the love of Mary. Don't let that be you and do not rely on the statement to tell you how strong your policy is because the statement is irrelevant for future years. The statement is only going to show you this and it's going to show you that. The insurance amount, how much you made as a dividend and that amount right there, your cash value. The statement will not show you future projections. So please, don't rely on the statement. Let me just say a quick thing on whole life. Whole life is a little bit of a different animal. Whole life, like I said before, it covers your literally your whole life. So if you make these premiums here, you are guaranteed by the insurance company, most likely, to have insurance at your death. That's, that's what whole life, the benefit of whole life is. Even that, though, it still might not be the best policy. I, I don't know. I'm not as worried about a whole life as I am about universal life, but even a whole life policy has some issues that you should look at in terms of finding maybe that's not the best policy for you at that time. Be very careful between canceling a policy. You do not want to cancel a policy unless you're absolutely secure in your knowledge that you do not need life insurance. Then you, if you want to cancel a policy, more power to you. But be careful. Don't just cancel a policy because it doesn't look good. Make sure you have.